Hey there, this is David with the Black Techies. We think we have a unique niche in the wider tech discourse and want to build a community of like-minded people. To that end, we are introducing the Black Techies Patreon page. For just $5 a month, you can help us spread the word, get our podcast out there to a bigger audience, and build our fast-growing community. Even if you don't listen to our podcast, please consider supporting our Patreon so we can do even more. All right, without further ado, let's start this podcast. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Black Techies Podcast, where black culture meets the world of technology. And we're back. It's been a while. I know. It's been a while for me. I think maybe a month for me. So uh, welcome back to me. Uh, <laughs> uh, I had some technical difficulties last time, but uh, I've since resolved those. So let's let's keep on rolling. So today, uh, or tonight rather, I'm... Joined once again by young T'Challa, Dominique Bass, and Mr. The Black Tony Stark himself, Herbert Seward. Yeah, yeah, I love y'all 3,000, man. 3,000. <laughs> what you all been up to? Oh, wow. Let's see. Um, barbecue, barbecue, more barbecue, tech, and barbecue. There you go. <laughs> I, bet, I bet my wife will love that. My- I'm working on my Network Plus certification, oh. and uh, other than that, I went to Essence. It was cool. Got out of there before uh, Katrina two hit. So, <laughs> Bruh. I hope it ain't Bruh. Katrina two. <laughs> Yo, you know, it's looking like the day after tomorrow down that joint. For real, it's like I seen the dude swimming on Canal Street. So, man, yeah, I mean, I. You know, there's a friend of mine that just recently moved back to the D.C. metro area from New Orleans, and she essentially said seeing that was a trigger for her, and it was a trigger for a lot of folks that, you know, went through the whole... Lost everything. Yeah, so we, you know, I I mean, we can't really make too much light of it, because it's, you know, that city's been through a lot, and... um. Civil engineers need to get on their damn jobs down there, for real. Seriously, <laughs> I mean that's a that's a that's like saying, uh, you know, rocket engineers need to get on their job getting us to Mars, where it's an impossible problem to solve yeah. at this point in our lives until we figure out how to uh, terraform and get that city above sea level. It's just in a really bad place, and it's gonna keep happening. Well, shoot, you got uh, hurricanes, well not, well, not really hurricanes, tropical depressions, I don't know, uh, hitting uh, New Orleans, and now, you know, California had two quakes in, like, a day. Bruh. <laughs> it's, like two th- it's, like, it's like 2012 playing out this script this week, for real. Um, Ironically, I'm, the cause of that was global warming, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. I ain't trying to see, I, I ain't trying to see no news of rumblings at at Yellowstone. Next. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on, you guys. Global warming's not real. Your president said so. <laughs> oh my God, this <laughs> dude. <laughs> All right. So, uh, speaking of people that you can't trust, we're going to talk about uh, <laughs> uh, EA and microcent transactions and loot boxes. And if you're a gamer, then that's you know I, I'm pretty sure your ears kind of perked up at that one. So. Uh, Recently, I think uh, EA went to was it uh, the UK, where where they were basically defending their their microtransactions policies and uh, it basically they they don't call it you know loot boxes they call it surprise mechanics and I know there are differing opinions on whether or not games should have microtransactions or what you know what kind. What kind of my what kind of transactions should they be? Should it be cosmetics? Should it be weapons or whatever? So before we even get into into EA or whatever, do you all have like any individual opinions? Like, what do you think about loot boxes or anything like that? <sighs> uh, yeah. Man, 
So I play a few. I play a lot of games that have uh, microtransactions. I guess everybody that games does now because that's the way the industry has taken us. Um, man, I, as I kind of feel like it's it's not up to me to tell somebody how to run their business. And we, if the, if you know, if they can provide enough value in the uh, in the whatever the box, the pinata, the whatever, uh, then. I, I guess I'm I'm okay with it. My problem is number one, it uh, children have no uh, they they kind of market their stuff to kids, and kids have no idea what money is, and so it doesn't. It's hard to teach them how to, you know, look at that, you know, the right way or the way they should look at it. Also. Um, there's as long as it doesn't benefit like you shouldn't be able to pay your way to like a hundred a, a top ten spot or a platinum ranking or whatever as long as it's just cosmetic I'm, I'm I kind of don't care as long as you can play the game and beast the game without spending any money I'm okay with them kind of doing whatever they want to. <sighs> Where do I start? Okay. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> as a, as an avid first person shooter fan aficionado what have you. It is the bane of that existence, of that genre of game. Why? Because it gives noobs a free avenue to advance up leaderboards with practically no work. In other words, you've got cats that, you know, let's say you're playing Call of Duty or some any 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 edition of Call of Duty or, you know, Anthem or any any number of you know, first-person shooters or, or, you know, multiplayer games that have those types of transactions. You get a certain weapon that isn't nerfed or that's super heavy, and lo and behold, you can you can pay for your upgrades as opposed to you know earning them through combat or anything earning them through gameplay. And it's to me, it sucks because it's just you know you hate that you know that. That twelve or thirteen year old kid that has the you know that has the purchasing power to buy whatever they want, as opposed to just you know fighting your way up and earning it. You know, to me, it's just like, ugh, okay, yeah, we got one of those here on the map. He's captain, and it's like, all right, well, we you know we look at his skill level. We know he didn't get all that stuff, you know, overnight, but you know he's like skill level five or six, and he's got. You know, he's got pretty much every weapon in the arsenal and he's decked out. And he's being annoying to everybody else on the map. So it's just like, yeah, those sorts of things are irritating. Now, I'm with Dominique here in terms of cosmetic uh, types of transactions. Those are cool, you know, and as long as it doesn't really change, um, as long as it doesn't change the dynamic of gameplay, I'm cool with it. Like if I'm playing a fighting game, for example, and I can purchase, you know, Reptile's classic uniform as opposed to, you know, his his look. Or if I'm playing Injustice and I want to play with, as John as Green Stewart, I mean John uh, Green Lantern and John Stewart, as opposed to you know Hal Jordan. Those sorts of things are cool, you know. But anytime you start having transactions that impact how you play the game. And more importantly, shift the competitive balance of the game. You know, that's where you start to really irritate gamers. Counterpoint. Um, so, I agree with you mostly, but with Call of Duty, the the thing is, you can pay. You can kind of pay to pay your way into um, like a, a maybe a, a dope scope or something like that. But a scope, just like, it's kind of like my opinion on performance-enhancing drugs in baseball. Like, you still got to swing that bat. So, with, with there's nothing that you can buy to make you good at a shooter. If there was, for instance, like, because like, you can, with the starter weapon, a, a good person will beat somebody with the best gun, with all the attachments and all the perks, it doesn't matter. They'll beat him hands down every time. I've seen a dude decide he's going to win this game with a, just a knife, and I've seen a dude beat a bunch of noobs with just a knife, and all of them got guns and snipers and shotguns and all that. So I said that to say, 
I agree with you that it kind of sucks that you can just pay your way into doing things that I have to earn if I don't want to spend money. But I'm kind of okay with those kinds of of transactions. Now, with your point about like uh, injustice, the thing I don't like about that is they usually have like, well, I ain't gonna say usually, but I had a problem with that game specifically because they had both of the black characters behind the paywall, right? Yeah, so the, yeah, default, yeah. How, the default Green Lantern, uh, even though the first Green Lantern we meet is Jon Stewart in, in, in our lifetime, the first Green Lantern was Jon Stewart, but the default is Hal Jordan because he's a white man. And then in, uh, <laughs> what's her name? Um, the, uh, black, 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 black. The, uh, what's her name? The, uh, the, the Panther chick, the, the um, you know what I'm talking about? She's a... Anyway, there's a, a, a modification of a costume or a, an alternate character that's the black version of the animalistic chick. I can't remember. I didn't play Injustice that much. Oh, Vixen? Vixen, yeah, Vixen. yes. Yeah, so the black... Because Vixen is the alternate character of, I think, either Catwoman or somebody. Cheetah. But Vixen. Yeah, exactly. Cheetah. You got it. You you nailed it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Just help me out. Uh, <laughs> it's DC, man. It's DC. That's why. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, so the that I don't like that part of it because that kind of it's kind of like uh, gerrymandering. You know what I mean? Like you just kind of you take it. You're essentially saying if you want to play with the black characters, you're gonna have to come off some money, and they know we want to play with the black characters. So, but. For the most part, I agree with you. I, I, I just, you know, the shooters, you still got to shoot. And so that's the, I think that's the great equalizer in those kinds of games. I think the, the ones where you have a clear, clear benefit are like Counter-Strike Go, games where a different gun really does make the, a world of difference and you can just straight go to the auction and just buy a different gun. Right. So, I, so let, let me... So I, I'm usually inclined to agree with both of y'all, both of y'all, as far as, you know, as long as the transactions are cosmetic, like, you know exactly what you're buying before you actually get it. So I was watching a video like a, a few years ago. It's a YouTuber named Ethos, a black guy, actually. And so he was saying he was talking about that. And he was saying that even with the cosmetics, it still kind of creates this culture of like, the have and have nots and so like you know yeah. your friends will have the latest the latest fortnite skins or whatever but you don't and so you're just with the you know the 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 basic you know the one that they give you when you first start the game when you first make a character or whatever so it's like but then you know all your friends have these crazy outfits and you're just, and even though you don't have to buy it even though you know exactly what you're paying for you still have that sense of like you know trying yeah, to fit in right gain. You can go harder on the game and get like they they have free loot boxes on most of those games. They have a way for you to grind your way to what these other kids are paying for. And I get what you're saying, but at the same time, they give most of these games away. Uh, Fortnite, you get like when you buy Fortnite full price, you get like six copies to get your own for it. So yeah, I know. I mean, I guess well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe Fortnite was a bad example. I don't play Fortnite, so <laughs> but. uh <laughs> But um, but I don't know. I guess and just the concept might still be valid for other games. Like it just it it could create you know a sense of wanting to belong or wanting you know oh, you, you feel sure. like you yeah, feel like yeah. you're missing out, and so that's that's the impetus to get you to buy things or whatever. So yeah, I don't know. It's <laughs> it, it, I don't know. So it still might depend on the play, person. So if the game is free to play, I, I I'm completely for especially if there's a way to work your way towards some things then but like for instance league of legends caught all the cosmetic changes they are completely paid there's no free um there's no way to grind to skins but you can grind to all the champions you can grind to runes like you can grind to everything you need to get except skins and and the skins aren't great i mean i probably spent six hundred dollars in 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 six years um acquiring you know skins and champions but I'm an adult with a job, and I like game enough that I can do that. I, I, I don't think I would feel, like, left out if I had to only get one skin every now and then because, you know, 
Dukes wasn't gonna give me no no money for no skins. If I'd asked her for ten dollars and she would have asked me for what, and I'd have said because I want this skin, she'd have laughed at me, and told me to get out of her room. So, <laughs> I you know, but that's the I mean that's that's you, that that builds character. You know what I'm saying? I I get what you're saying though, because it sucks to be like the one guy who doesn't have this stuff. But I, I feel like for the most part, you can grind to some of that stuff, and for the other part, you can. You can check me for not having, uh, you know, the 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 latest and greatest skins, but I'm beating y'all behinds on this game. Yeah, for real. That 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 have and have nots. Me not having turns into kill streaks. That's what that turns into. Because <laughs> I'm because I'm taking it out on all of y'all. Yeah, because I gotta grind. I gotta grind to get what you're paying for anyway. So it's just gonna make me better. You know, yeah. but I get what you're saying though. I mean, you, you're not wrong. It, it's it's. But what what? How would you suggest they make up the the gap for you know there's you know how do you make how do you i mean i don't think there's budget of 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 video games you know video games aren't getting cheaper to make i mean so 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 two things that i think that's a fallacy i don't know i think games don't necessarily cost way more than they used to cost but at the same time i think that uh when you brought up the free games so like I think free game like Apex Legends like that gets a pass for having microtransactions because it's a free game. So it's not like you got to pay $60 for a full game and then you still have to buy, you know, and Fortnite's free too. So like I think they kind of get a pass. It's those games like Call of Duty where you got to yeah. pay $60 for the whole game and you can do more <laughs> microtransactions yeah, exactly. and you get loot boxes. It's like all right, I pay and- six- and you got to pay for season passes. Right, and the season yeah, passes. Yeah, yeah. Right? They're 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 unethical. I agree, but I I haven't liked that company since they let Treyarch go. So, I mean, yeah. y'all ain't gonna get too many. Y'all, I'm not gonna fight. I'm not gonna die on that hill for uh, for Activision. Uh, they're yeah. the evil empire, if you ask me. So, I guess my thing is one another thing we we were talking about like cosmetic purchases where it's direct like. You buy this, you get this. What I don't like, I was playing Smite and I used a god called Bacchus, and they had the Elvis Presley skin, but you could only get it if you out of a random box, and it was like a one in fifty chance of getting this skin. I probably spent forty bucks trying to get this skin. I don't even play the game no more. But like the fact that you can't just directly go and buy something that you want, especially when they like advertise it the way they do. That kind of sucks. I don't like random loot boxes unless it's way cheaper than a regular box, and you you know what I mean. Like if it's just a, like a, if it's a dollar, you whatever you just throw in the dice for a cool skin or whatever. But when they have like premium skins hidden behind random loot boxes, and they just throw you a whole bunch of stuff that you don't care about and don't need, that's a little unethical to me too. But at the same time, I'm an adult. I'm a grown man. Don't buy it. You know. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> So that kind of leads me to to the the next part of this. So we kind of talked about microtransactions, but the loot boxes are actually kind of somewhat separate. Uh, Well, in a way, they're separate. Because with uh, loot boxes, a lot of people believe that they're basically gambling. And if you really think about it, they kind of are. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. In fact, I think, uh, was it Belgium who, like, actually just outright banned uh, any games that had loot boxes in it or or something like that? Uh, and that was the whole reason why EA was was in the UK was testifying uh, at Parliament because they were trying to figure out whether or not their you know FIFA's ultimate team thingy is uh, is basically gambling. And so, because I mean, if you're buying if you if you buy a loot a loot box, right, you don't know what's in it. So it's this ran basically a random number generator that's like you know you get a random number of uh, a random. Uh, whatever is in there even if it's just cosmetics like it is for overwatch but because uh, i like overwatch <laughs> honestly uh it's, it's a, i think it's a great game but so for games that are usually marketed towards kids like fifa madden you know those kind of games sports games or, or even other kind of, kind of games like uh call of duty like do you all roblox is the big one yeah really Girl. Oh, dude, the, the, the children love the Roblox, man. Roblox well, yeah, is like my, I mean, my, my daughter used to be really big in the Roblox. Yeah, I'll say this about FIFA, man. FIFA, they make their money in, in microtransactions in terms of... <laughs> hand over fist. <laughs> hand over fist because, you know... The oh, popular, it's Madden, too, with that stupid yeah. Ultimate Team. 
Yeah, the Ultimate Team games, that's where they make the scratch at for both FIFA and Madden. And I just don't understand why games. $60 a game ain't enough. That's Yeah, that, for real. Yeah. But yeah, EA and Activision, the, the Evil Empires, man, like they once they figured out, oh, they'll pay $3 every three days if we do this. And by the end of the year, that's an extra such and such, which is an extra billion dollars if we do that. We could buy a yacht. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's. I I kind of hate it because it's like, like EA EA especially like they used to be like the the publisher that like they made all the interesting games like they would go out and like publish games that they were just regular they were just good games or just like good indie games or or i don't know it's like nowadays they they, they've turned into like disney i don't know (laughs) but uh so do you all think that's i don't do you what, what do you all think as far as uh is there something that could be done or is there something like an alternative way because like in my opinion I don't see anything. I don't. I don't mind paying paying for extra like content, like actual content. Like, uh, if for example, the Division Two just came out with their uh, year one pass or whatever. Um, although I don't think it actually brings any new content per se. Uh, you can get like additional bounties and stuff like that. But um, I don't know. You know how game like single player games used to have like DLC. Like Spider Man had DLC. The the uh, I think Black Cat was one of the DLC or something like that. Uh, but Yo, you side note, side note, side note. You are playing uh, 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 Division Two. On and off, yeah. <laughs> is it is it how different from one is it? Is it still hella bullet spongy? No, not 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 nearly as much. Okay. I didn't I didn't really play one that much, but I I really like two though. Two is really good. I I got okay. it for free, but I still like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, well, AMD. <laughs> well, as a minor segue to this um, gaming segment, well, I, you know, we, I ran across some interesting news from um, ESPN as it pertains to college franchises and gaming, and specifically Kirk Herbstreet, uh, college football dude, Ohio State alumni, blah blah blah. He's pushing to have the NCAA rescind. Um, or rework their standing in terms of amateurism for, you know, to get the game back. In other words, you know, NCAA college football, basketball, or any other franchise that utilizes likenesses for um, college athletes, uh, they want to bring back and they want to do so in a way to be able to um, have students actually join in um you know, the earnings that those games make, which would effectively bring those franchises back from the land of the dodo. And personally, I mean, as a avid fan of, you know, NCAA college football, you know, NCAA 2014 and, you know, UK hoops, you know, college basketball, I mean, I'm waiting for the day where Ed O'Bannon, you know, fight, even though it was actually, you know, it was a noble one. I'm just waiting for the day for the, for that to be reversed. Or at least a solution worked out where um, athletes don't lose amateurism because they're benefiting from their own likenesses. And... So, no, go ahead. And I think, you know... Kirk Curb Street and ES, you know, using ESPN as a platform to push for that adjustment um, is a good start. You know, now y'all know how the NCAA is. Those guys are the real evil empire that we just talked about. <laughs> for real, those guys make money hand over fist on just about everything they do. While on the bodies of black men. Yeah, pretty much, um, and. Black and black, black. Yeah, black, black. <laughs> yeah, um, and essentially, man, I mean, it, it, the ball has been in their court for over a decade now. I mean, honestly. They're not they, going, but so unless, unless they're going to start paying the players, though, it doesn't. I mean, well, what do you, what do you, how do you think they're going to get around that? 
Well, honestly, even if it's not direct payment, even if it's something along the lines of, let's say, you create a fund, you know, for every school that uh, has their moneymaker sports that are portrayed in these, like football and basketball, for example. Um, you create a trust, you know, you create a, a trust fund for athletes um, that they cannot touch while they're in school. Um, but once they matriculate, either going out to the league or to graduation, you know, they have access to those royalties. Simple. You know, they don't corrupt their amateurism while they're actively students, but they still can see, you know, the revenue that they, their efforts earn at some point. And I think the NCAA, it's not a hard thing to do. The NCAA could have could have just, you know, found a workaround, you know, along those lines a decade or so ago, you know. But it, they've kind of kept up the whole veneer of maintaining amateurism, you know, for athletes when they're, you know, it's a multi, I mean, college athletics is a multi-billion dollar industry. You know, and gaming is a small piece of that in comparison to everything else. So, it, yeah, it's um to me, it's it's not, it's a no-brainer, and you're not going to, you know, turn this person into a, a mercenary for higher athlete for a school simply by having their, you know, having them be being able to, um you know, be compensated for their like using their likenesses being used. You know. It's a no brainer to me. But I mean maybe we can kinda combine the uh um so you so you said that he was advocating for creating the uh the the you said trust funds? Oh that's my idea. Oh he was he was advocating for those for those guys actually taking a new, a new look at it and finding a solution to, um, you know, to have players compensated for the for the likenesses being used without losing their amateur status. So it's um like I said, it's something that's that's been at the forefront of that debate for you know ever since Ed O'Bannon you know took it to court. And to be quite honest with you, it's, yeah, I mean, NCAA has kicked it down the road for, kicked the can down the road for like a decade. So, or more at least. And the fact that it's being revisited now on that platform says a lot. You know. I wonder if, the, if, if maybe, <laughs> what if, what if uh, every time you, you, you uh, opened up a loot box. You part of that money went to the player, or to the actual uh, players themselves. I don't know, <laughs> like well, maybe, like some some, so kind, some kind of revenue I, split. I don't know. I can't yeah. take credit for this idea, but um, I think that you should. They should just remove the restriction of a player making money off their own likeness. That way, they don't have to pay bums. They only, you know, they don't have to pay anybody. They can keep making all the money they're gonna make. But I should be able to, as as Dominique Bass, the star point power forward for TSU, which <laughs> TSU is not a TSU is not a school that's going to be making a whole bunch of money off their basketball program. But what if I'm that good? I should be able to go to uh, Nelson Mazda Nissan and do yes. a couple commercials for them and yes, make whatever I'm money they're going to pay me. You know what I'm saying? And then go to Applebee's, go to the local Applebee's and do uh, autograph signings and all that kind of stuff. I should be able to make money off my own likeness. Meaning they, EA, I mean, NCAA's off the hook for paying players, and we still get an, an NCAA game because the EA has to work out that deal with the players. They don't have to work that deal out. You know, they don't have to remove eligibility. They can keep the same rules as they have for all the other sports. They don't have to worry about, you know what I mean? You don't have to worry about the lawsuits coming for uh, female sports trying to sue for equal pay. Um, you just let people make the money off their own likeness, and I think that solves all the problems. Well, I think I think that's a good. Um, <laughs> yeah, my bad. Uh, <laughs> I think that's a good concept, but I think the main 
the main hang-up that the NCAA kind of exploits is the fact that these kids while, ain't got no money. Well, yeah, kid. Well, the kids ain't got no money. Number one, and number two, you know, they're still in school, which provides them a loophole to say, "Hey, look, this violates their amateurism." Blah 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 blah. Right, but which they wrote the, those rules, so yeah, why don't they just change the rules? Exactly, because they're the NCAA and they're like the evil empire of college athletics. If this was the NAIA, they would, you know, they wouldn't care. But you know, the NCAA. And I, and I think that's why on this particular topic they get such a bad, such a heavy rap because you know those guys know exactly what they're doing you know every school knows exactly what they're doing in terms of the revenue that these um, sports bring in and the fact of the matter is from just from our perspective as as gamers the gaming industry is a very small slice of that pie a very small one, you know. I mean, we might look at that five or six million dollars that, um, you know, NCAA uh, games bring in, uh, college football, college basketball, you know. I mean, we may look at that as a pretty big change, but in terms of what an athletic department of one of these big five schools, or one of the major schools in particular bring in, that's just that's a drop in the bucket, right? You know? So then let these kids have their drop, right? These are kids that that could really that that would might that might would stay in college and get their education if they could help their family a little bit. You know what I mean? Like I, I it, oh, it, to I, me it seems like a win win. I completely agree with you. It's the folks that are in the NCAA that are kind of anal yeah, about that. They're not okay with letting go of any of the control. They need to pimp these kids completely and fully. And so, yeah, black and black, 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 black. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, man, I mean, that's, you know, when we see talking about microtransactions and stuff like that, um, this kind of plays into that combo because, uh, you know, those sorts of things that, those little nickel and dime things that we um, we're irritated by in terms of you know our gaming experience, you know, like Dominique kind of put it out, could or Dave put out there could very well go to a solution like that, you know, for specific types of games. But that brings up another um, very interesting possibility is that gamers, you know, that are gaming for collegiate programs you know those guys you know those uh, I mean like esports gaming yeah those things aren't aren't regulated by the NCAA they got their own you know governing body everything else so you know we may very well see those type, those sorts of things be um, that might be very well be the first arena where students that are part of esports platforms are able to get their own sponsorships and to um, you know, sharing their own revenue. So, you know, and that's complete. Now, obviously, that's completely outside of the realm of the NCAA because they still haven't really officially, um, they haven't officially recognized esports as part of their, as part of their, under their umbrella. But, you know, it's a, it's coming, at least for as the, you know, collegiate esports landscape continues to grow. So that's something that would be very interesting to see. I don't see it. I mean, I don't know. It I, I wonder now this is somewhat off not off topic, but like so you know the whole discussion behind you know, behind football and CTE and uh just the dangers of, of football and like other contact sports like that. I wonder if esports could be like that that thing that allows people to feel more comfortable about competing well you know i don't want you to play football but if you want to play madden and make money off of it okay you can do that yeah but, but a lot of black parents don't like their kids playing video games that much they sure uh, don't. i bet if we bring them some uh a big chunk of chains they might ch- i don't know yeah, well but, I mean, I, well, but I, see I that might that. be the thing though that might you might yeah. have to be you know you might have to prove that you can bring in like legit amounts of money in order to you know you know in order to be viable so i mean 
I don't know. Well, that's why. I, I mean, I, I, I feel like we're gonna miss that train as as uh, as as people of color because our our parents want us to be doctors, engineers, or professional uh, professional athletes. Well, honestly, <laughs> I mean that. I think that's why we. That's why platforms like like the Black Techies and other tech platforms that highlight you know that subculture um is important you know it's also important that you know we always we already have incubators for that sort of thing on hbcu campuses for example you know last couple of months i've been politicking for you know uh our hbcu sports esports initiative and it is essentially um you know trying to start a grassroots movement to raise the presence of esports on on every HBCU campus. You know, the fact of the matter is that you've already got it. You've already got a fertile ground for that at every campus. There's not a campus you're going to go to where there is isn't already an embedded gamer culture. Whether it's the gaming culture of the random dude, the random ass dude that's dudes that are sitting in the in the you know student lounge or in the dorm room, you know, getting you know getting drug and madden or Call of Duty, or if it's something else or more organized, you know, their clubs, you know, that, though, that culture, or rather that baseline for that culture to grow is already there. It's just a matter of getting administrations and, and student groups to really recognize that, hey, this is a potential avenue for students, not just millions of dollars in revenue every yeah. year. It doesn't and, make sense why we're not doing it. Right and visibility for schools in general. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't necessarily buy that we've missed the boat yet. But no, I don't think we've missed it. I think that unless we have a a, a significant change in in like we can't keep looking at nerds as and I say we, I'm talking about the way kind of like who the cool kids are in the schools can't keep being. I mean, is uh, that really a thing job. now, though? I mean, I don't know. It feels like yeah, nerd culture nerd. is actually more yeah. popular. Yeah, nerds are pretty cool. Mm, not amongst, yeah. not amongst the, uh, not amongst the colors. Really? I don't know, man. But then I again, know, I don't. I haven't been to an HBCU in like forever, so. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't call that. Man. <laughs> and Howard is just I, up the street. It's just right in DC. Yeah. You know, at, you know, at TSU, the football team is getting way more play than the cats that's playing Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> and uh, the Yu-Gi-Oh cats are gonna go on to to make six-figure incomes, and the football player cats are going to go on to be college dropouts. Most of them, not all of them. Shouts out to y'all that graduated. But uh, wow, you man. know, listen, man, listen. You ain't go to TSU. Uh, you ain't go to TSU games for the football team. You went for the band. So of course, the band graduates, and the football team beats people up. So. And this stereotype is not representative of Tennessee State <laughs> University or any of its affiliates. Thank now, you. I'm an affiliate, uh, and and it is. Listen, you can't you can't find a dude that didn't at least if you went to school between '03 and '09, you at least saw the football team beat somebody up if you ain't catch one yourself. These dudes be wilding, man. These dudes man, be wilding. We, man, we well, man, we finna get we finna get some correspondence from Nashville, dude. <laughs> I'm right up the street, man. They can holler at me. That'd be hilarious. Well, good. The, look, that that could be a good way to uh, to pitch the whole uh, esports thing. Go ahead, yeah. <laughs> and there you they go. Get, they like we heard you on our tip point. We we have a problem with how our school is portrayed, particularly our student athletes. We will need you to. Yeah, yeah, I can see that coming, man. <laughs> I'll take it. Listen, they're uh, they about to lose their accreditation. They better. Uh, they got better things oh, to worry man. about. See, we, oh man, see, we're not even gonna get into that one. Yeah, man. Man, are you in the uh, the, the the TSU um the uh, uncut group? Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> I missed that whole thing because my homeboy Mark got apparently got put out of the group for talking crazy to people in there. But uh, apparently, people need to be talked crazy too. So, man, yeah. let me tell. Yeah, and this is another segue um, that's slightly not, but accreditation issues are a tool. They're a tool, you know, for just essentially to really put pressure on on HBCUs, you know, to 
really kind of get them out of the way. You know, state land grant schools have a little bit more protection in terms of the types of types of aid and assistance that they get. Um, private HBCUs, you know, are the ones that are very are really vulnerable, particularly the smaller ones. And it's like we've we you know we see we see and hear you know this type of talk every year. I mean, uh, you know, my my grandmother um, worked at. Um, St. Paul's College, which is in Lawrence, which was a tiny HBCU in Lawrenceville, Virginia, and you know it was, it was arguably the oldest school in the CIAA, and pressures like that in terms of accreditation, financial mismanagement, all sorts of things led to his demise. And my, you know, my family. You know, there are at least four, three or four generations worth of my family that graduated from that school. Uh, um, that was a very integral part of not only my family, but you know, our overall exposures to HBCUs in general. So, it, seeing stuff like that, you know, kind of hits home because, you know, the schools that are ahead of the curve in terms of how they manage. You know their institutions and the stewardship measures that they take to make sure that things are physically sound. You know, um, you can tell. You know, like North Carolina ANTs of the world, those guys are. You know, you, you're not going to hear about any accreditation issues with them. Primarily because their organizational um, structure there at the school. You know, just from the outside looking in, as a you know as an observer. It's just solid. You know, you see A&T making power moves in terms of forming partnerships, you know, embracing STEM and science and all sorts of stuff, you know. And I think that's a good model. That's a good model to follow. And it's not, you know, there are other schools that are, you know, that are headed curve. I used to think Tennessee State was one of those until Dominique. We were. Kind of, <laughs> yeah, until Dominique <laughs> just kind of spilled the beans, man, you know, uh, Thanks, thanks for shattering my illusion of Tennessee State University. I appreciate it. But <laughs> no, don't um, get it. No, we no, no, no. We used to have we we used to have a, a top tier engineering department. Like yeah, that's why yeah. a lot of people went there because of our engineering department and computer science. Right. So and it still is. It's still legit. Uh, you know, don't don't let my harsh words detract from my love of Big Blue. <laughs> T T S S S U. All right, but. It, it is like I mean the the it, this is more of an overarching problem with black culture is that we glorify the rapper the thug the 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 and youth in our youth right we 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 tend to grow out of it as we get older because we realize what well, a dead end those, those cats don't make it out right them cats end up uh, being uh, shift leaders at uh, at Walmart not that there's anything wrong with that I'm just saying you went to college on a full ride scholarship I think you should aim a little higher. Uh, but we we tend to glorify the 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 more flamboyant parts of our our our, our greatness, and that's the rapping and the, the the trapping and the thugging and all that. And we don't really, you know, when you see a little buddy with a with a laptop and he can pull that out, pull that joint out and hack in the NSA, and nobody like, oh my god, yo, that's dope. Like nobody's gonna wild out for that guy. Like you know what I mean? Hey man, sh- sh- that's you know, we we got we got to keep that in the wraps. We're we're contractors, remember? <laughs> oh, we, we, I know we, who we, your boss is. Yeah, yeah. We, he know, would we, only hear this. He would only hear this if we were doing this podcast on the Fox News Network. Oh my! Which, gosh. by the way, Fox, listen. If you guys want some brothers to come on and talk blackity black black, so y'all can act like y'all are fair and balanced, cut that check. You know what I mean? Are, never, are, they, are they still saying that? <laughs> yeah, they're still saying that. Of course they are. <laughs> Now, kind of the, the get back on the rails a little bit. Um, <laughs> there's one other thing that um, one other really big tech news event that happened that you know actually has something to do with our illustrious Cheeto Caesar, and that is. Talking about boss. I don't know what you're talking about, man. I know not of what you speak, <laughs> but. Um, that essentially has to do with um, Chinese giant Huawei. And 
essentially Huawei got everything they wanted <laughs> because um, uh, our, you know, 45 essentially, you know, uh, they were playing, he lost a big game of chicken. And he's just, it's like, okay, well, I'll, I'll give you everything you want. It's like, okay. And that's exactly what Huawei got. So they're back. You know, all of the trade, all of the trade stuff that they were banned from doing, they've essentially got the green light to do. Um, you know, meaning that they're back in the Google ecosystem, they're back in Android. Um, all their mobile and laptop assets that were in retail stores here will be making a return. And um, for consumers that really were super impressed with Huawei's products, they're happy. And I mean, honestly, I'm happy to see it, you know, despite a lot of the security concerns, which they were also addressed as during the course of this um, of this tiff with you know uh, with the United States government, as far as them applying their wares. Um, at the end of the day, those products are class products. The mobile devices are really, really legit. They are well built, you know, and they are very innovative. Now, how much of a footprint they'll eventually get in this market in North America, that remains to be seen because you still got Apple, Samsung, and everybody else. So, but to a greater degree, it's a very big win, not just for Huawei, but for other Chinese um, mobile and, and uh, computer manufacturers that want to get a bigger footprint in the United States market, and that is um, that is really it, that's a thing, you know. Because I mean, I know we we're speaking off air um, prior to the podcast about some of the attention that phones outside of the market, uh, United States market, have gotten, like Poco Phone and OnePlus and. Um, some of the Xiaomi devices like the Redmi and all of those devices that are really, really killing it in other markets like in Asia, India, um, Japan even. Um, Japan is seeing a lot, seeing some of these, and that's Sony territory. So um, it's, um, it's, a very, it's a very interesting thing to see how that, you know what that means for the rest of our, um, you know, for the rest of our, uh, for the footprint, you know, for, you know, Chinese, for Amer- <laughs> yeah, for the Chinese. And thank you, Dave. Appreciate us kind of um, stumbling there. <laughs> so but, I will before you go, and I will I will have to put it, you know that disclaimer that <laughs> I am a a federal employee, so <laughs> just. <laughs> FYI, but uh, so take what I say with a grain of salt. But uh, <laughs> like we're listening. But all right. But uh, but I mean, I I think I personally I think that it's you know security concerns aside, I I personally think that it's good that Huawei and others are trying to get into the U.S. market. I mean, they, like you said, they make some great products. I mean, they're uh the the MateBook X, their laptop is one of the best oh, ones man. So that I've legit. seen. Yeah, Even though it's literally a, a Windows version of a Mac, but you know they <laughs> they they do they did a good job with it from what I've seen. And like the little the the, uh, the webcam, like they hide it underneath like the one of the keys. So like if you want to use it, you just press the button and it pops up. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, I mean, I did, I'm hoping that maybe this I don't know because they're part of the growing the, the fastest growing. Uh, market over there and uh, like they can make the same kind of devices that you know Apple makes but at like $500 cheaper <laughs> exactly and I think that's the big thing and it's like where you know the other thing that is a really big indicator of where the market may go is particularly for mobile devices is you know packing as many high-end characteristics into um a $500 phone? Exactly. 
or for or a laptop that's a mid-range or a budget laptop. Um, those sorts of things, you know, I mean, it's insanely successful in other markets. I mean, hey, you got you got you got one plus over here. We're spenders, though. Yeah, and we're spenders. So I don't I don't know that I'm you know that might not be I might be proven wrong, and it seems like people are upgrading less according to Apple, Uh, but when they upgrade, they're not like nobody's going from the 10s Max to the 10R or whatever the next 10R is. Like nobody's doing that. Like if you're a 10x Max person. You might decide I'm only going to get a new phone every two to three years instead of every year. But also with these uh, all these companies doing the yearly upgrade thing, it doesn't even matter how much the phone costs. You're never going to own a phone again. Who cares about owning a phone? Pay what pay what the phone costs. You know what's the difference between thirty five dollars a month and forty two dollars a month? Well, I think I think from another perspective, you know, I mean. Yeah, you got spenders, but you got just as big of a demographic of folks that actually hate having to enter into a contract to spend on the phone. And that's why, you know, that's why the unlocked phone market is still very lucrative, you know, because folks don't like contracts. And folks still, this is still a society, even though people spend, they like deals and they like budget and they like, you know, getting the most bang for their buck. So, you know, it, you may not see a Poco phone or OnePlus. Well, you may see OnePlus because I think Verizon, I think some of the Verizon carriers um, are are starting to look at having that phone as part of their inventory. But you know, you're still going to see uh, folks hitting up Amazon to order the poker phone if it's not available in the market or hitting, you know, or importing it. I mean, that is, I mean, the poker phone and, and the Xiaomi phones and, um, are some of the most, um, some of the most popular phones. In uh, the world, yeah, not world. America. Yeah, in the world. And, you know, it's, it's a matter of time before folks, you know, see the quality of that. And they're starting to say, hey, look, I don't have to, you know, I don't have to give my firstborn child to get a Samsung or Apple phone when I can get, a, you know, a high quality phone with the characteristics and the, and the specs that I want for a fraction of the price. So, you know, there's, I think there's always going to be a footprint for that because there's always consumers that are anti-establishment. They're anti, you know, I, I ain't, I'm not joining the Apple flock. I'm not joining the Samsung flock. But, you know, I, you know, if if I get my hands on an Android phone that's pretty quality, that's great, you know. And I mean, part of that grows every day because when folks see Apple, and I hate to be, I hate to pick on Apple like that, but Apple is like the evil empire in this case. You know, when folks see, you know, stuff that Apple does, like having, you know, spending, you know, a grand total of six or $7,000 for a monitor in a stand, for example. Uh, I mean, it, I, who does that? <laughs> I mean, who does that? Who doesn't work? And you, I mean, and granted, you're going to have people that buy it because, you know, they're, they're so embedded in the culture of Apple that they will pretty much buy anything at this point. But, so before you, I will say at least as far as that particular example, I think the stand is ridiculous—a thousand dollars for a stand. But the monitor is actually a deal. It's a deal compared to other reference monitors out there. Like, uh, but that, but then again, I don't I don't do that kind of pro work. But people who need those kind of monitors, like five thousand dollars for a reference monitor—that's that's a steal right there. So. Uh, I will say that at least based on what I've based on the kind of research I've done and other people I've seen that that are more knowledgeable about reference monitors than me. But uh, but yeah, the stand is ridiculous. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I, I just can't find any sort of logical retort as to why a stand would be a thousand dollars. There's not a functional reason for it other than the fact that that's the platform that the monitor sits on. And that should be something that should not be uh, 
bludgeoned over the head of customers. You know, I, I just don't get that. But but back to you know, kind of the major overarching point is that you know the you know the demographic for folks that want deals or want the most bang for their buck in terms of their electronics is out there and it's always been out there you know like i said that's why unlocked phones are popular that's why folks are willing willing to roll the dice and risk it all to go to walmart and find the phone or go to target and say okay well how much how much work can i get out of this motorola g7 that's only you know 249 or 250 bucks that's on the you know platform they look at the specs it's like, oh, okay, this it's got a Snapdragon 635, or it's got a Snapdragon 8, 855. I, maybe I can make this work. Maybe I can mod it. Maybe I can, you know, there there's a substantial demographic out there in the country that thinks just that way, you know. And it's not just a casual customer either. So, you know, it, there's definitely potential for you know those phones to make more of a permanent footprint into the market here because they're, you know, like I said, they're already, they're already dominating, you know, every place else overseas, you know, even in places where we would think um, Samsung or Sony or any number of um, giants that already have a footprint here would be dominating. Even in Korea, even in South Korea, you're seeing a lot of these devices start to, um, really compete, you know, and that's, you know, that's Samsung Central there, you know, you're not going to find much, you know, in that um, theater that isn't Samsung. You know so, what, that actually sounds like a good idea for another topic. Yep. <laughs> for another episode but uh <laughs> the, only reason, the only reason i stopped you because i actually think that would that i i think that's something we can expand on um uh, for like a whole episode and i kind of want to get yeah. into that um because you got you know phones like oneplus uh you say you, when you mentioned about you know going against the grain against the apples and samsung's that's exactly what oneplus is trying to do they're like you know never settle quote unquote so you know their whole thing is if you want what Samsung has, but at a tenth of the price, then just get a OnePlus, a OnePlus uh, Seven Pro, right? Um, mm-hmm. And now the caveat to that is that I, I just looked online like a few hours ago, and you could get an, an S10 for like five hundred dollars. So, <laughs> but uh, that might be a moot point right now. But the, mm-hmm. but, but the point is, you know, they're com- they're. They're they're still able to compete against the larger uh, players, and still offer a top a top tier, you know, experience. In fact, I think they're even getting. I think you're able to get the Android Q uh, beta on the OnePlus phones. I think. But um, I agree with you guys, except in America. Everywhere else except America, you're right. Yeah, cool. yeah. I mean, Apple kind of has America by you know <laughs> by the tail. Yeah, I mean, Apple, Apple and Samsung. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Apple and Samsung. Uh, yeah. uh, you literally, I mean, when is the last time one of y'all saw somebody with a with a Huawei? Well, know, you actually, can't get it I, anyway because of that. Yeah, yeah, for real, man. <laughs> I mean, I mean, real for real. I mean, Huawei was in in big box retail stores, you know, in mass prior to you know forty five pulling what they did. In terms of Japan, in terms of tariffs, tariffs for Chinese trade. So, I mean, you could walk, you could walk into a Best Buy anywhere and see, you know, uh, see a Huawei, you know, a flagship Huawei phone, a flagship flagship Huawei MateBook. I know Pentagon City had them in stock in mass. You know, they had their own little section. It's like Huawei, what? And Pentagon City is like, oh man, you sure the feds ain't seeing this? <laughs> you know, so I mean, yeah, it's there. You know, and I mean, the only reason why we don't see them on shelves now is solely because of our, you know, our, our orange compatriot in the White House, um, you know, pulling the shenanigans that he pulled. So, um, I mean, now that that's been lifted, I don't see. I see them returning because, like I said, the quality of the devices and the product that they put out 
you know, is great. You know, there, there's not, you know, outside but, of the- So I remember a time when Huawei phones were stocked, but I was in the industry, people just weren't interested. I'm not saying that they're not now because they've had time to like, and now they would definitely have the marketing of being like the bad boy phone and all that. Like they can, they can, you know, there's no such thing as bad press, they say. So um, I get it, but in this country, especially unless, what if the car- if the carriers don't pick it up? Just like the Google Pixel, Pixel's a dope phone, but only people with Verizon have it. You ain't you haven't seen that joint on nobody else's carrier. Yes, it can be used on other people's carrier, but nobody's dropping nine hundred dollars in one fell swoop for a phone. Nobody. Oh, that's kind of that's kind of why the Pixel Three A exists now, <laughs> because I think. I think Google recognized that, and they also recognized the fact that, hey, people are looking for most bang for their buck. They also like headphone jacks. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, and I mean, and to Samsung's credit, they're doing the same thing with the eight, with the you know, with their new series of phone that they're bringing out. Um, they're taking, they're using the same model. I'm not sure if that's like the Samsung A series. Um, correct me there, if anybody, if anybody can. I think it's the A series. Maybe, um, maybe the J series. I don't know. J J or A series. You know, I, I think, but they're following the same same model. You know, it's a it's not a flagship phone, but they're packing the most performance and specs that they can, while mitigating price. So, you know, I mean, it, it's at least for Samsung, it's not missed on them how popular outside of how popular that that model is outside of. United States market. So, and how, you know, how similar that is here, you know, because like I said, you know, people get unlocked, people get unlocked phones just for that very reason, you know, because maybe they can go on Newegg, or maybe they can go on, you know, Amazon or eBay and find a good deal on a phone. It's not a lot of people doing it to be a significant enough market. In my opinion, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have any facts to back that up. Just experience in a in a retail store, which of course these people that are savvy enough to buy, um, you know, phones online are probably savvy enough to get them activated without having to come into a store. So maybe that's where, maybe that's entirely where I'm coming from, and it's just a place of complete wrongness. But uh, it just doesn't seem like. I mean, just in my day-to-day life, I literally only see, you see, like, uh, people who don't care about phones slash broke people with, uh, with like, those cheap LGs that you can get at Cricket for $35 with a, with a, with a new line. And then you see people with the, the this year's Samsung, a three-year-old Samsung, this year's Apple, or a three-year-old Apple. That's it. That's all you see. You can go, you can go take, go take survey of the next 25 people's phones you see, and I promise you it's going to fall in one of those mm-hmm. categories. Well, there's another thought, too, is that, um, you know, those those budget carriers like Cricket and, and Mint and those that have been popping up um, recently, you know, they may take advantage of the fact that, hey, you can get these, you can get these, you know, these um, phones relatively cheap. And that could be a selling point, you know, for these services. It's like, hey, look, you know, even prepaid services, because you can see you can see some of the prepaid services doing the same thing with refurbished phones. But in terms of, um, you know, particularly for the carriers that you just mentioned, like crickets and stuff like that, um, I could see how, you know, they could get really get into the game to increase their visibility. Um, you know, by just being able to go outside of the United States market to obtain handsets like that. So, I mean, it's I mean, you doesn't you know you bring some very valid points there. You know, I just think it's something that it's going to take time to see whether or not it's going to manifest itself like that. Well, until then, we're going to have to uh, close up shop on this one. It's getting late over here, <laughs> but yeah, um, man. I know for uh, well, Dominique maybe not so much, but I know for us <laughs> on the on the East Coast. But uh, oh, yeah. but it was a great discussion. But uh, for those who are, who are listening, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, twitter.com/slash/theblacktechies, Facebook.com/slash/theblacktechies. Uh, if you want to keep going with this conversation, 
uh, we're definitely going to keep this going on on the Black Techies Collective, which are which is our Facebook group. Feel free to join. We are growing every day. I'm pretty sure someone just scored. I don't know, but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. <laughs> but uh, before we go, any uh, any any parting words before we close this thing out? Black-owned businesses, particularly in technology. Um, if you've listened to our podcast, we, we plug people on occasion, um, particularly, you know, uh, within the diaspora that are doing their thing in STEM and tech, whether it's um, doing their own thing in terms of entrepreneurship. Um, we ran across something uh, earlier in the collective uh, in the past couple of weeks called, um, and I had never even heard this story, it was... Uh, Figures Telecommunications. And essentially, this brother is 29 years old and owns um, arguably one of, the big, one of the biggest telecommunications companies in the Southeast. And we're closing, so we don't have really have the time to go into a story, but um, it would be very, very um, interesting for folks out there to check his story out. It's a really... It's a really good inspirational type of deal for anybody that wants to get into technology, particularly um, folks, you know, people of color that, you know, they seem to be kind of spinning their wheels and they don't see a lot of representation at that level. Well, that's a good opportunity to see it. So, you know, shout out to Figures, Techno Figures Telecommunications. Um, they got their own handsets. Uh, look them up, and um, you can even switch service, man. I mean, it's a like I said, you know, support black-owned businesses. So check them out. All right, Dominique. All right, man. Uh, everybody, go be great this week. Uh, I hope everybody's uh, staying uh, apprised or abreast of all the wealth of information that's out here for all, all 473 of the, uh, the Democratic candidates that are running for president. One, uh, one just dropped out, right? <laughs> did somebody drop out? I haven't seen I, Yeah, listen, talking about staying abreast. Uh, but listen, it's a lot of them. Listen to as much as you can. Be an educated or an informed voter. Um, but at the end of the day, just know that every single day you wake up, we are closer and closer to Herb and Dave's boss not being our president. <laughs> Bruh. I know, right? Just stop, just... <laughs> stop that, man. <laughs> hey, I, serve, I, serve, I serve the U.S. government. You know, that's whoever's in office. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm even better. I'm a contract. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but yeah. that yeah, but that pension though. I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> I know what you uh, right. no, not of what, no, what you speak. <laughs> All right, y'all have a good one. Take it easy, everybody. Take it easy. Yeah. Peace.